this Sunday is a transitional point in our church calendar. We are wrapping up what we've been studying through the fall, and we're looking ahead to what's coming in the coming weeks. So we're going to spend a few minutes this morning looking back at what we have heard from our study of 1 Corinthians, and when we learn that in whatever we do, no matter what aspect of our lives it is, we do all of these things with the mind of Christ and for the glory of God. And then Ruth is going to uh, come and help us look ahead to the coming season. We know that the Christmas season and the holiday spirit is not necessarily something that is easy for everyone, and we're going to take some time to reflect on that and to consider how we move into this season as a congregation. All right, we have come a long way in the book of 1 Corinthians in this series. We began by remembering and and reflecting on this idea that we as a people of faith find ourselves under increasing pressure from powerful cultural forces in our society and in our day-to-day lives. In this letter to the church in Corinth, Paul is tackling some of these issues that they faced, and surprise, surprise, because they're human issues, we face some of those same challenges today. And he helped them understand what it meant to see things through the mind of Christ, the way that they live, the way that they act, and to live out the gospel of Jesus in all circumstances. And so in this last number of months, we have tackled some hard issues. We've looked at some tough scriptures and some tough language from Paul. As he examines with the Corinthian believers, and as the Spirit through the scripture challenges us about what it means to live as resilient and fruitful followers of Jesus as we wrestle with the big questions in our lives, in our community, and in our church. I want to read to you some of the first verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting in verse 4, Paul says this to the church because he loves them and he knows what Christ has for them. He says, I always thank God for you because in his grace, for the grace that he has given you in Christ Jesus, for in him... You have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He reminds them And he reminds us that we have every gift that we need. We have the presence of God's spirit with us, filling us, transforming us, renewing us, and strengthening us for the challenges and questions of day-to-day life. Paul goes on then to challenge what's happening in the church there. They're a church divided. They're arguing. They're picking sides. And he reminds them, What we are called to is to follow the example of Christ, the crucified one. He asks them this simple question. Do you believe that the gospel of Jesus is simple foolishness? Or do you believe that it is the power of God? Because if the gospel of Jesus is the power of God to change us, 
to strengthen us and to give us calling and purpose, then we need to live into that with everything that we are and set aside all the things that get in the way. He goes on to remind them that so often we think that we have it all together. We think that we know how things operate. But so often when we think that we have it all together, when we actually sit down and examine it in the light of Scripture and in the teaching of Christ and his example, we realize that what we actually are doing is living in the wisdom of our culture, the wisdom of our flesh, rather than the wisdom of the mind of Christ. He calls us to be fools in the eyes of the world by being wise in the ways of Christ. One of the things that he challenges the church to do, and we also have then been challenged to do, is to look clearly with open eyes at the sin amongst us, the things that inhibit us in walking faithfully in the calling and purpose that we have, and to deal with our sin head on. Because so often we are trapped, stuck in sinful ways of thinking, and we just, we just continue on and on in this. He highlights how the Corinthians have been thinking about the way that the world works. And saying, well, you know, what really matters in life is where your heart is, what your spirit is all about. And what you do day to day, that's not really a big deal. Paul reminds us that we are created in a unity of flesh and spirit. It's not just what's in our heart or in our mind that matters. It's how we live moment by moment, day by day. And that we have the grace of God given to us so that we can live fully in that. There were three words that we highlighted in one of our texts where Paul says to the church that you are washed, you are sanctified, and you are justified. Meaning that our encounter with Christ and welcoming Christ as Lord of our lives mean that by his blood we have been washed clean of our sinful way of being. We are made new in him. And we are called sanctified, beloved, holy, righteous children of God, kingdom people. And we are justified so that we may be face to face with God, worshiping him and praising him with all that we are, knowing that we are beloved of his. We also have learned over the last couple of weeks that there are strong forces, even within us, our desires that challenge us and distract us from the calling and purpose that we have. We have learned that our sexuality does not define us Sexual desire and the need for intimacy with others is a part of our created nature. We are made that way by the hand of God. But this is also only a small part of who and what we are. We are created for a greater purpose than this. We have a calling as a kingdom people to have our full attention on the kingdom of God and to set aside or consider very, very carefully 
anything that inhibits us from living fully as these kingdom people of God. This includes setting aside our rights and our freedoms for the sake of others and living sacrificially just as Christ's example is given to us of sacrificing his right to to be in heaven to come and to live among us. And this is going to be the focus of the coming season as we remember how Christ comes to us to be with us in our brokenness, in our sin, so that we can be redeemed and live, as it says at the end of chapter 10 in 1 Corinthians, where we ended last week, so that whatever we do, whether it's eating and drinking, the simple acts of everyday life, or our careers, or our friendships, or wherever we go, that whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. Let's carry these ideas and these questions with us into the coming season as we learn to live and serve God faithfully as his children. Now Ruth is going to come and help us look ahead to the coming season. Yes, Advent and Christmas season begins next week. For some, this is a happy time of the year. But for others, it can be quite difficult. This morning, we will focus and acknowledge the difficult parts of this upcoming season. Some are mourning the death of a loved one. Some are far from home. Some suffer from illness, addiction, and estrangement. Some are lonely, struggling financially or in conflict with someone else. Some hurt because of the great pain, need, and violence in our world. For others, Christmas may simply bring up memories of a difficult and troubled past. And for some, they have been confronted with their own mortality, having been told that this may be their last Christmas. And of course, as we continue to live with COVID, many people are keenly aware of how lives have been turned upside down and may never return to normal. The reasons for the feeling of darkness are many. We gather in the midst of suffering to remember God is good, God is strong, God is near. We are not alone, and we have every reason to hold on to hope. But all these things can make us feel very alone in the midst of all the celebrating and spending to come. We need the space and time to acknowledge our sadness and our concerns. And we need to know we are not alone. Our spirits may sink As days grow shorter, we feel the darkness growing deeper around us, and we need encouragement to live the days ahead. This morning, we'll be lighting four candles and allowing time for quiet reflection after each one is lit. And when we end a section, together we will say 
Lord, hear our prayer. This morning I also have an empty chair here beside me. This empty chair represents those who won't be home for Christmas. Maybe a relationship has ended. Or the people we love will be far away. Or sickness or death has changed how things used to be. We light this first candle to remember those who we have loved and lost. We pause to remember their names, their faces, their voices, and the memories of them that we hold in our hearts. Let's pause. We thank God for them and ask for his comfort. And when we are feeling overcome with sadness, we ask for the peace that is greater than we can ever understand. Lord, hear our prayer. This empty chair also represents the pain and sadness that can come from events, other events that are part of our lives, things that are uninvited and unwanted, things that have left us in pain or disbelief, feeling us, leaving us feeling that it wasn't supposed to be this way. This second candle represents other losses that we find ourselves faced with, the loss of health, of independence, of freedom, the loss of confidence or security, and plans that just didn't work out, or hopes that you had that ended in not being realized. We pause now for you to tell God who is close to those who are brokenhearted about some of the losses that you are feeling at this time. Let's pause. Lord, hear our prayer. This third candle represents our courage. The courage to face our sadness, to share our feelings with others, our doubts, our fears, our anger, frustration or depression, and to hope amid this, these uncertain things and pain. We pause now 
for you to tell the God who longs to take you by the hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you about some areas where you need help in finding courage. Let's pause. Lord, hear our prayer. We light this fourth candle to remember those who have supported us in our pain. We pause to remember the prayers, the words of comfort and support, the acts of kindness from family and friends, and those who stood with us in our time of need. Let's pause. We thank you, God, for sending others to remind us that we are never alone. And we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Lord, hear our prayer. Now, standing in the center of all these candles is a candle that represents Jesus, who has come to be Emmanuel, God with us, in the midst of it all. Jesus, who was born as a helpless baby, and who hears our cries and understands how weak and helpless we feel. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, who knows our hearts and offers us healing and hope during our suffering. Who came to help us understand just how much God loves us. And who lived and died to restore our relationship with God. When Jesus gathered his friends in the upper room and shared the news with them that he would be leaving them, they must have felt anxious and fearful for what would become of them. In the midst of their fear and their hurt and their disappointment, Jesus served a meal and offered them himself. At communion, we look back and remember Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross. And so we have the bread to represent his broken body for us. It's also about the present, about our relationship with Christ. We are recommitting ourselves to being faithful followers of Jesus. And this cup represents our commitment to recommitting ourselves in our new covenant with Christ. We also anticipate about the time when one day we will share 
this meal in God's kingdom with all of God's people. Christ invites us to this table. It's open to all who follow him. We don't have to be fully transformed people to come to this table, but ones who desire to be continually transformed. As a people of God, we are called to be in right relationship with each other, our neighbors, and our world. We need to seek out reconciliation and to offer extravagant grace. We read in Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, take this and eat. This is my body. Everyone take their cups and carefully peel up just the very top layer. Take and eat. And then Jesus took the cup and gave thanks, offered it to them and saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's house. Peel back the next layer. Everyone, take and drink. In the midst of their fear, in the midst of their hurt, in the midst of their uncertainty, Jesus gave them the one thing that could overcome it all, his presence. We eat and drink and remember and give thanks that Christ's presence gives us peace in the midst of all our uncertainty. Invite the music team to come on up. As the next song is sung, sung you are welcome, of course, to sing along, to sit quietly, uh, in continued prayer, in contemplation. Or maybe think about your response to what we have talked about this morning. Maybe think about how you can bring light to the people that are struggling around you. Think about who you could check on this Advent season to see how they are doing. Or if this season is difficult for you, who will you reach out to? for support. Thank you for listening to this message from Fort Gary MB Church. We hope that what you heard challenged you to think in new ways about Jesus Christ and the life that we are called to through his death and resurrection. If you have any questions about who we are as a church, our mission, or have any other questions in general, Please do not hesitate to contact our office email at info at fgmb.ca. Be blessed.